From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. Today, we offer the second part of our discussion on the findings from the recent McKinsey Quarterly article, The CEO Moment, Leadership for a New Era. In our first podcast, we discussed two of the four shifts we're seeing CEOs make in response to the pandemic. The first shift is significantly raising the level of their and their organization's aspiration and metabolic rates. The second is bringing more of their own humanity into the workplace and making sure they are being authentic and empathetic. Today, we'll cover the two remaining shifts, embracing stakeholder capitalism and leveraging peer networks. Sharing their insights on this topic with us today are three of the quarterly article authors, Carolyn Dewar is a senior partner and co-leader of our CEO and board excellence practice. Monica Mararka is a senior expert and part of the global leadership team of the CEO and board excellence practice. And Kurt Strovink is a senior partner and leader of our insurance sector work globally. Kurt, why don't you start us out by taking us through that third shift? Okay, the third shift that we see underway, this question of fully embracing stakeholder capitalism or moving beyond the shareholder as a you know, primary and sometimes over, overriding consideration of the way that CEOs and, and their boards lead. And the, the central idea is that while shareholders are not unimportant and they're not going anywhere and clearly the reliance and focus on them needs to be maintained, there is an increasing focus we see to employees, to suppliers, uh, to customers, to society at large. And the question that we're asking here is, does it have the potential to become a more permanent shift? And we're seeing some evidence from different CEOs. We posed this question in a number of our interviews, and we've also, in our own CEO counseling globally, we've seen this arise in a number of settings. The jury's out about whether that's going to continue in that way or whether it'll snap back to being more shareholder capitalism-driven. I'd say CEOs seem to be split on that, but there's a lot that think this has the best chance it's ever had to become a broader base of constituencies that CEOs are, are thinking about. Clearly, during COVID-19, there's been extraordinary pressure to balance the different stakeholder groups, right? The immediate business need, the clear need to protect your employees, your customers, your consumers, society at large, the environment, all of those things have been juggled real time. And, and that's something we're hearing a lot of CEOs wonder about and question and feel some sense of personal purpose around trying to advance, right? I think they've seen the, the power of these interconnected networks that we're all part of, and they absolutely are seeing it as part of their role as CEO in managing that going forward. The business roundtable came out with some new thinking around what are the measures for this balanced stakeholder landscape that we're all operating in? And I do think measurement is a key piece of this, right? CEOs and, and others will respond to what they know they're being held accountable for. And so to what extent CEOs as individuals or as a collective community, like through the roundtable, are they choosing to sign up for a broader set of measures of success than they have been in the past? In what ways are CEOs and their companies indicating to the markets that they're embracing stakeholder capitalism? There's definitely some early indicators. And to be honest, in some cases, the markets or society are the ones that are holding the companies accountable. So I'm thinking about some of the big investors who are going out quite boldly saying, not only do we have sort of environmentally oriented funds, but we have funds 
we're thinking more broadly about other social purpose and other stakeholders. I think that will actually apply pressure back on CEOs and back on organizations. Some CEOs absolutely are are very purpose-driven and their organizations are purpose-driven and they're being increasingly vocal about the broader set of measures of success that they're looking for. And we're seeing that in pockets in, in certain different industries as that plays out. I think this is one where positive peer pressure could be extraordinarily helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think there's sort of two realities. There's a set of companies that essentially are very much struggling and for them, survival is at stake. And so there's a set of things that they need to do very operationally, literally to survive. There's also then another set of companies that what they choose to do and how they choose to react will greatly affect their brand and the way that consumers view them. The key point here is when we say the markets react, there is also this view of how are they caring for their employees, but also for longer term connection and productivity of the employee workforce. Also in the community and the employees, they want to know that. I mean, a lot of our research shows that millennials and so forth really care about the purpose and having meaning in the company. So a lot of this is also what they, the companies choose to do at this time and stand for starts to show the evidence of their purpose, their values, their mission, their strategy. Thanks, Monica. So now let's move to the fourth shift. Carolyn, would you like to walk us through that? Sure. So the fourth big theme that we're seeing from CEOs in this moment is them really harnessing the real power of the peer network, right? Certain roundtables or CEO forums, people are really showing up, right? They're present. They're highly engaged. A lot of the more formal CEO networks are meeting at an incredibly frequent pace, engaging on real topics and being incredibly vulnerable with one another in ways they haven't before, right? So no longer just, you know, let me show you how I have everything under control. But that humanity we talked about is showing up here as well. CEOs know that each other can understand what it's like to be in their shoes. They're sharing much more openly in terms of some of the real questions they have that none of them have faced before, and they're trying to navigate together. There's two particular pieces going forward that we see really continuing in addition to that. One is this idea of of analogies or having analogous companies and CEOs to learn from. I think in these networks, people have realized that they have a lot to learn from other organizations that may not be the exact same industry as them or in the exact same period of their growth, but they're facing similar challenges. And how do they learn even one industry learning from another that's further ahead, right? I think about some of my, you know, technology uh, organizations that are quite adept at working remotely and working in these ways. Other CEOs are looking to those sectors and saying, how do we catch up? The other piece, which is happening in some ways today is CEOs coming together to actually solve uh, joint problems together that can only be solved by one or more of them acting on behalf of society and for the good, whether it's retraining employees in a whole sector for the future that's fundamentally shifted, whether it's working together on some of these broader vertical industry issues around sustainability. And again, that's another that we think could be a real unlock if CEOs were, were willing to continue thinking about what can be solved as we work collectively together, what would that look like? Um, we've long been focused on CEO learning, and we've long believed that ideas across industries can be very powerful for innovation. 
And I would just underscore Carolyn's point that the uptake in desire to learn of CEOs has been really substantial in the last four or five months from what we've seen. Most CEOs are saying, I don't want to learn from somebody who used to be a CEO under a different era. What I find more helpful is people who are facing the same situation that I am from different vantage points, from different industries, and learning and listening to them and comparing notes. And in a number of the CEO forums that we maintain as a firm, we're seeing the increase in desire by the members to meet to be 3x the rate from before. So things we've done every 18 months, we're now doing every six months. And I think these networks that they're forming, uh, we think have a potential anyway to be more durable over time. And if they can create more of a learning organization that is more porous in its membrane, maybe with the rest of, of industries and other companies, we think that's a huge potential source of value. Kurt, when you think about all of these shifts together, what do they mean broadly for the future of the CEO role? We sometimes think about CEOs as calibrators in chief. They are, in some sense, uh, the, the, the place in the organization that will have to assess the extent, the speed, the proportion of response to a changing external world. And we think that many of these parts are aspects of basically playing out the key role of the CEO, which is to calibrate and to decide, are we doing enough? Are we doing it fast enough? Are we doing it imaginatively enough? The CEOs that are thinking that way and deciding on moving maybe even faster than some voices around them would suggest as potentially unlocking additional sources of value and not just financial value. The final thought that we wanted to leave you with is we talked about this as a CEO moment, and we talked about it as a, a, you know, a moment of individual CEOs, and we tried to synthesize out some of the enduring themes we see. But we also are excited about the possibility, the potential, that if a number of CEOs make these moves, we think it could add up to a bit of a movement more broadly and advance the role of CEOs within societies. We think about the CEO like a, like a domain that is to be studied in its own right, much like you would study talent management or uh, digital or analytics or other important areas. If a number of CEOs make moves and shifts like the ones we're talking about, it could add up to quite some substantial contribution to society as a whole. Many of these shifts that you're describing are also substantial enough to merit the attention of boards of directors. How are CEOs collaborating with their boards on these issues? First of all, I think we're seeing that the board and the CEO are interacting much, much more frequently. So um, the, the working and, and, and give and take and the, and the management team's not just updating boards at arm's length, but actually involving them in the core problem solving is on the rise. We're seeing that across industries. And I'd say the cycle time of board interactions in various ways is up 2x, maybe 3x in some cases. Second, we're seeing lots of focus on questions of succession, interestingly. It's made them more mindful of sustainability, and boards are participating in that dynamic. There's also a number of things on the M&A front and combinations that are being looked at, which obviously brings the boards in closer. We're also seeing a number of CEOs expose next-generation talents to the boards in different ways during this period of time through formal and informal processes. And I think you can say overall that this period is one where the board and the management team may become more closely connected. So I would say those are some of the trends that we're seeing with CEOs and their boards during this period. So let me end by asking, what do you find most exciting about what you've learned from CEOs during this research? Monica? Sure. I think for me, CEOs and the role of CEO is really a powerful shift for not only organizations, but society at large. And so what a CEO individually chooses, how they spend their time, where they put their effort, has huge consequence and huge impact. 
And so I think what we're learning through this environment is that CEOs can show up in different ways that they potentially hadn't thought about, hadn't really put the time into and uh, focus into. Absolutely. And I think Kurt and Monica uh, said it well. Uh, this really is a, it's an unfreezing moment. Uh, there's so much in flux and how do we take advantage of that and be very intentional about how we want to reform our view of leadership and CEO and organizations going forward. I think that that is the, the invitation for the generation right now and, and it's an exciting one. Yeah, and I would just say uh, I think it's the possibility of learning from others across industries at a time of rapid compression and innovation and the long-term effect of that. You know, there's an old quote that says this world cares too much about one year and not enough from 10. And I think there's a chance to really take a, you know, five to 10-year standard and to put in motion some things that can really shape industries at this point. Carolyn, Monica, Kurt, thank you again for taking the time with us. A transcript of this conversation will soon be made available on the Inside the Strategy Room page on McKinsey.com, where you may also find links to our previous episodes, including the prior session on the first two shifts. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future episode, please email us at insidethestrategyroom at McKinsey.com. If you'd like to receive email alerts as we publish new insights, you can sign up on the Strategy and Corporate Finance section of McKinsey.com or follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy or connect with us on LinkedIn by entering McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance in the search bar to visit our practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the Strategy Room.